Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome in. It's the PHNX Draft Podcast brought to you by PHNX Cardinals. I'm Johnny Venerable. He is Bo Brock. Bo, second show. Here we go as the Arizona Cardinals are now picking number two in the current standings for the 2024 NFL Draft. A lot to get into what that could factor into in terms of top picks, where the other pick currently stands, because the effing Houston Texans refuse to lose games. But first, welcome to the program, my dear friend. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All this pain and suffering could pay off. Uh, We got a big old draft show on tap for you. I mean, if we look at it, what ESPN's FPI, they had it out there. The Cardinals uh, right now, they're in line for 2.9. That's their average draft position. So right there, jockeying between two and three and right there in position for some really rock solid prospects. Now, if things go worse, right? I mean, and you know, it depends on when your franchise caliber quarterback comes back to play and how many more games of Joshua Dobbs we have to endure. And this offense continues to struggle uh, could put you in a primo position at the end of the year to be drafting the top prospect in this draft. And as we start to kind of look at that, you know, it, it hasn't changed, right? I mean, Caleb Williams, despite USC dropping, you know, its last two games and Cliff Kingsbury being elevated on the coaching staff to an assistant coach and Lincoln Riley is missing in action because is he just not dealing with losing? Well, you know, I don't know, but Caleb Williams, obviously some red flags have, have, popped up with him and how he's approached things, but Caleb Williams remains the the top pick in this draft. Well, and let's get into it. Here is Caleb Williams, the highly touted, quote, generational prospect out of the University of Southern California. Uh, Again, by many accounts on the record saying he would have gone first in last year's draft over Bryce Young. And I think we can nitpick these guys to a fault. Here's what I'll say about Caleb Williams. The things that I'm hearing about Caleb Williams this year are the same things I heard as a deterrent to Kyler Murray under Cliff Kingsbury. Playing outside the script, a little bit of hero ball. And so I I don't necessarily worry about Caleb Williams beyond this year because I'm going to tell you right now, like I think Cliff Kingsbury has coached him into some bad habits, into some turnover-worthy habits. And they're they're not playing sound offensive fundamental football I think if he gets into the structure of an offense, assuming that the Bears get their act together and get an offensive head coach, Jim Harbaugh, the Cardinals were to take him with Drew Petzing, like I think all of this would be alleviated. To me, like my biggest concerns with Caleb Williams are not on the field, it's off the field, right. like the arrogance, all the stuff with his dad. Like that's real stuff. I don't want to hear people say, no, that's just outside mm-hmm. noise. No, they're bringing that attention onto themselves. He's 
painting his fingernails, got FU to all these opposing teams, and then he goes out and they get their ass kicked by Notre Dame and Utah back-to-back weeks, talking about he wants stock in an NFL franchise. It's just the Cardinals have, just like we talked about last year for different reasons, Jalen Carter, right? Outside noise. The Cardinals, in the midst of the rebuild, they can't welcome any of that, man. It's got to be meat and potatoes with this franchise. Everything on the field, minimal noise, Bull Brock, off the field. Yeah, I think the prospect on the field, you know, a lot of people thought that it, he was bulletproof, right? And that yeah. that hasn't proven to be true. Like what no. we've seen in the performances, especially uh, against Notre Dame with the three interceptions and then the loss to Utah, you know, th- he looked mortal. He absolutely did. When people are saying and throwing around the word generational, you know, I think that they're being a little too cavalier with it. When, when you're talking about, you know, can't miss prospect because we, we know, we very well know throughout the NFL history and the NFL draft history that guys can bust at the very top of the draft. And what you think, you know, coming from the college level doesn't translate to the NFL level. Let's talk about Caleb Williams. Is he immature off the field? I think we're seeing signs of that. Are we seeing red flags? Are we seeing a guy that doesn't fit what the philosophy of this new regime for the Arizona Cardinals is? A, a, a unified front, an egoless organization. You know, are we seeing that on display in, in Southern California? I don't think so. But when you look at the prospect overall, when you look at the arm talent, when you look at the playmaking ability, a little bit more size than the quarterback that you have in place right now, it it's going to be tough to say no at the end of the day. It's going to be probably, arguably, the most difficult decision that Monty Ford would have to make if he's staring down a, a prospect the caliber of, of Caleb Williams because he's that talented. I'm glad I agree. And, but I'm glad you brought up his size. Like he is bigger than Kyler Murray, but he's about on par with like a Bryce young though. And I are a little bit taller than that maybe, yeah. but like, he is not six, two, six, three chiseled out of granite. Like some of these guys, he's certainly not as big as Lamar or even like a Joe Burrow. Right. And so I, I think the notion that he's just going to walk in here and be able to operate at a high level because he's this premier gifted athlete. I think that's a little naive. I, I could definitely see him, depending on where he goes, Chicago, maybe Arizona, maybe somewhere else, having struggles his first year. I don't think he's immune to that, right? I Because I, I don't know if he's he's a special quarterback prospect. I don't know if he's like a special athlete. Like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen were special athletes at the position that grew as passers, where Caleb really, you know, turns you on as a, as a quarterback is he can make all the throws and he yeah. can do pressure in his face. And he runs to throw. He doesn't run out of necessity. Right. He's, so. he's very Mahomes-like as far as that. Like, he's not a guy yeah. that's going to be – Yeah, uh, yes. I know yes. that's not – that's not. You try to play his game, for sure. It's it's an unfair comparison, but as far as his, his game speaks with the arm talent and the throws he makes and utilizes athleticism to set up those throws, not, hey, I'm going to go – rip off 20 plus yards with my legs and and make defenders miss here and there. So here's, here's the one thing. And I didn't think we we're going to get this discussion, but we're, this is, is, is the conversation we've had about Caleb Williams here. And we are having this on our second PHNX Cardinals draft show. Uh, I feel very down on Caleb Williams. Like if you were pressured right now, for the Cardinals to to pivot their organization on Caleb Williams, where where do you feel as, as far as that decision? I think a lot of it has to play out this season and into the offseason, right? Like, I, I don't know how much more Caleb Williams can prove as a football player on the field. Like, I'm not buying into the, the notion he's regressed. I think, again, for me, everything comes into what's happening off the field. And most importantly, Bo, does he buy into the Cardinals and being a Cardinal franchise quarterback, a Cardinal legend? Like, say what you want about Kyler Murray. He inherited 
a GM that had an extreme DUI ticket that had to spend a night or two in jail. He inherited a losing college uh, head coach and an owner that's had his ups and downs, for lack of a better term. And so he never complained about coming to Arizona. He welcomed the challenge, right? And so is Caleb Williams going to welcome that challenge? Because for me, it's like he has turned off the supporters. Let's say it was 50-50 Kyler Caleb supporters. I think he's lost at least 10 to 20% of that group. Um, yeah, no doubt about in it. The Valley. I, I, I think he's lost supporters in other markets too. Like, And, and that kind of translates to the next guy, right? With with Drake May. Like I, I've been told we hear stuff kind of in the weeds. Like Drake May, I don't think he's going to go one, but he's closed the gap to some degree with his play and with his ability to kind of lead on and off the field, lead by example. People just like what he has going on. Now it's the ACC, and I know Pac-12 is not great defensively, but <laughs> – ACC playing with guys who may or may not be in the NFL, but I mean, Drake may, and you see him here. I mean, he's six, four, he's all six, four, whereas Caleb's like six foot, maybe and a half, maybe six, one, the, the, the pro comp is Justin Herbert. While I think that's unfair, I, I don't think it's like, it, it, I don't have to take too far to get there. Right. Like you put out Patrick Mahomes to Caleb Williams and like the, the size difference is a problem for me. Like he could be Justin Herbert. If everything goes right in the NFL, He's big, he's mobile, he's got a huge arm. Now, his completion percentage is a little bit concerning. He's about 65. I would love if I if I'm taking a top quarterback, I need you to be, you know, Kyler Murray's around 70% in the NFL. So Caleb Williams, can you improve on that? He's got a good stable of running backs and receivers, but look at him on the move here. Throwing on the move, putting it on a dot. The receiver doesn't have to slow down. I am not the biggest fan of this young man. Is that a because pun? I think I think Kyler Murray at the end of the day can get you better results as an NFL quarterback. Here's what I will say. Really, if Tom Tupa? If, yeah. if the Cardinals are picking in the top three <laughs> and Drake May is available, they will do their homework on Drake May. It, 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 it's as simple as that. I, nobody can sit here and say that, assuming that the season plays out, let's just call it poorly. Let's say Kyler comes back and they still have a top three pick. We're going to see Monty Austin for to Chapel Hill working this guy out. So I'm just I'm making sure everybody is prepared for that. Because again, like, look at the mobility. Look at the arm talent. He's thrown across his body, hits the guy in stride. Like, I, I do not, I do, I'm not an advocate over Drake May over Kyler Murray. But I think that we have to be realists here. And the reality is, top three pick, you're working out all these guys. You're, you're having the conversations. Like Brian Baldinger told us on our show earlier this week, Bo, like, if they feel like he's a damn good top two to three prospect, doesn't matter what you have in house, you're going to talk to him. Every level. Uh, as far as the, that you need to make every every throw you need to make as an NFL quarterback, he's got that right. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the size six four two twenty five, built in a lab. That that's what you're looking from from the quarterback position. And if Monty Osfort was on a dating app and he's putting you know his requirements, his his likes and dislikes, like he's matching with Drake May. I mean, Drake yeah. May is, you know, Clayton Toon on steroids. If he liked Clayton Toon in the fifth round, sure shit going to like Drake May, potentially second overall. There, there, there's a match take, there. Didn't take DTR, took Clayton Toon. What did that tell us, Bo? Right. And you you just kind of look at, at the quarterbacks and his past and Monty Ossifort's past and, and what he, the type of signal caller he likes. You know, I think Drake May checks all those boxes. You know, he's got the he's got the arm talent that you like that we talked about with Caleb Williams. He's got you know obviously less mobility, but enough mobility, uh, and it just a, is a playmaker out there. And absolutely in the conversation for the Arizona Cardinals as, as we 
continue our fab five here on our, on our draft show uh, next on this, like it, you start to get out of the quarterback range, right? Because yeah. I think if you play yourself out of the top two picks, you're playing yourself out of the, the Caleb Williams, Drake may conversation. And then you start to look at, okay, how do we build around Kyler Murray? How do we move this thing forward? How do we just continue to, to add talent to this roster? You do it through premium positions. And you know, we talked about Joel last week. And yeah. there are people in the chat. They're like, you know what? Joel Out's nice, but have you seen Olu Fashionu from Penn State? He's the real tackle one in this class. And if you watch him, uh, I know they didn't play great against Ohio State, but Fashionu did six six three thirteen. Big prospect coming out of the Big Ten. That's where you like to get your uh, your your pass protectors out there. The size you want, you got the agility you want, you got the strength in the lower head half, and then you got the range that you want. And obviously, he's a guy like Paris Johnson Jr. that's got a high motor, and he's he's a good prospect off the field. What do you not like about seventy four here for the Nittany Lions, Johnny? I mean, this is this is somebody right there with Joe Alt that you you're like absolutely. Let's go back-to-back drafts by taking a tackle in the first round in the top 10. Yeah, it's like, do you like, you know, it's kind of what high-end champagne do you like? $100 bottle of this, $100 bottle of that. You like caviar, right? You like lobster? Like, it's all it's all elite, right? It's all You're all eating good with everything here. He is, like, I like Joel because I think he's the complete package and the physicality stands out. Not that this young man's not physical, but you look up – some of his traits, like he actually does have a lot of similar comps and he, he's probably a better prospect to somebody like Paris Johnson Jr. Elite pass protector. We saw it in those clips. He can get a little stagnant in the run game. And I think Paris will get that cleaned up this offseason as he builds up muscle and d- does the, a true traditional offseason with strength and conditioning with the Arizona Cardinals. But this young man to me can come in and play left tackle just like Paris could now over, over there on the right side now, year one. I mean, you would have two supremely gifted elite level pass protectors. Whereas like Joe Alt, if you told me he struggled a little bit pass protection, his first year, he played right tackle. We kicked Paris Johnson jr. Over to left tackle. And then Joe Alt's like one of the best run blocking right tackles in the NFL. Like that wouldn't surprise me either. It really is just going to come down to their personal preference because I think firmly both these guys are top five to seven prospects. I think they are unquestionable. The top two tackles. I think they're going to have elite historic level combine performances. And to me, it's like, watch how Joe Alt and Notre Dame win football games. Yeah. They run people over. They destroy people at the line of scrimmage. Like, do you really say that about Penn State? Or it's just they're fine. They're steady <laughs> offensively, right? I think right. a lot of people think their defensive personnel is better. So I think yeah. you get much more substance with Alt. But that does not mean this kid out of Penn State cannot come in and be an elite left tackle. Of course he can. And so I, I trust people who say that. Just like I trust people who say that Keon Coleman is 1B to Marvin Harrison Jr.'s 1A. Keon Coleman, of course, the wide receiver one for the Florida State Seminoles. We talk about a type, right? Drake May could be a type for Monty Austin Ford. Keon Coleman, a type as he catches a one-hander there for Monty Austin Ford, a receiver. 6'4", elite, elite burst and explosiveness, Mm -hmm. elite physical traits, right? Like he'll make a catch like this. He can drop an occasional pass here or there. We have to be fair to the rest of these wideouts led by yeah. Keon Coleman. Like just because you're not Marvin Harrison Jr. does not mean you don't have a chance to be an all-pro level wide receiver. So I again the days of Andy Isabella, <laughs> Rondell Moore, these undersized wide receivers, that's over for this franchise. They want to get big, more physical. I mean, could you imagine? You know, you, you don't have a chance to get, let's say, Marvin Harrison Jr. You take a tackle, you take a D defensive end, 
And then you get with your other first rounder, a Keon Coleman to go opposite Michael Wilson. Now, now we're eating good in the neighborhood, Bobo. Yeah, I mean, uh, can we see that highlight again? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to take my pants back to the pants store. It's the oh, pleats. It. It's the pleats as I watch this play. My God, this video. When when you talk about Mike Michael Wilson, and there's so much to like about Michael Wilson, third round pick, 96th overall at Stanford. But uh, you, you know, he he falls in the draft. Like you watch this play right here, Michael Wilson. Like he can make so many plays, he doesn't make this play. Like right. this is. This is this is the type of playmaking that you get if you utilize a first round pick and, and you expect uh, on a wide receiver and and like you said six four you know about anywhere from two twelve to two twenty as far as big bodied guy but as athletic as they come out of Florida State just playmaker I mean we we see some of the missed throws that Joshua Dobbs is making I, I hope it's not Dobbs throwing the ball next year but if it's it's if it's Kyler Murray if it's Drake May if it's anybody else like. There's a good chance that Keon Coleman's coming down with that football, and that's that's a weapon that that you can always utilize. I don't care what offense you're running, but it, it helps with Drew, what Drew Petzing likes to do. And if you if you got another big body guy with Michael Wilson to compliment him, I mean that we're talking we're talking big NFL bodied wide receivers for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I mean it's like the fall the the Vikings template, right? Like they Justin Jefferson. Now they add this Jordan Addison kid. I mean. That's what's winning in today's NFL. There's only one Tyreek Hill. These undersized receivers, like they're fantastic when you hit on them, but they're they're the exception to the rule. The, the rule is you take the biggest, strongest, fastest player. Right. And that's what Keon Coleman represents. And again, that he's a phenomenal run blocker too. That probably doesn't surprise you. And we see guys like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, guys that came from that LSU, you know, national championship team. But you, it, it's tough. It's it's good to find like productive wide receivers like a Michael Wilson. I think he'll be productive in his career and he'll be really rock solid. But guys that when the when the game is in the balance and you need somebody to go make a play, that's the type of playmaking that that it, it's tough to replicate. Uh, what also is tough to replicate is, is a guy to get after a, a quarterback. In yeah. last year's draft, we saw Will Anderson come out of Alabama, and you know. Our biggest knock on him, and if you can call this a knock, is he wasn't generational, right? And I don't mm -hmm. think that this guy, his his successor at Bama, is is generational either. But man, is he productive? Dallas yeah. Turner coming out of the SEC, Nick Saban continues to just churn out some pass rushers. Uh, he is he's stepped up, and he's having an even more impressive season than Will Anderson had last year. Look at him just violently just throw this guy to the ground. That's a playmaker that just couldn't get out from his grasp here. Um, but 15 already, I think 35 pressures on the season, eight sacks early in the college season. Look at him just get after the Texas Stadium quarterback. Um, that's what you want. And I think, you know, it's nice to see this, this pass rush rotation for the Arizona Cardinals where it's come and where it's gone so far under Nick Rollis. But if you get a playmaker, just like we talked about the wide receiver position off the edge and what it does for you and how it can game wreck offenses. That's what you're looking for. And Dallas Turner is somebody that, you know, he projects as high as five. I think um, I think ESPN had him as high as five. And then you've got him down there in the 20. So he's got a yeah. pretty wide range where he might be available. Well, and they just they have an MO in, in Alabama. It's like we can generate pressure and we churn out one of these guys every other year, seemingly. And I think fair or not, like Bama has not been in the national title contention this year. So people aren't paying attention to them and their struggles offensively, I think, have unfairly masked what they've been doing defensively. It's a very nice season, and, and it's led by this young man here. What I will say also is we talk about floors and ceilings. This kid's 20 years old. So if he's <laughs> racking up seven and a half, eight sacks, same with Keon Coleman, these guys are only going to get better. It's some of the knocks on the guys we were scouting last year for this team, and they were like, 
23, 24 years old, then you better be an elite player or close to if you're going in the first two rounds, year one or year two. Whereas if you take a guy like Dallas Turner early, it's like, okay, have seven sacks your first year. Okay, you're 21 the next year, 22 the year after that. You can grow into that role. The Cardinals have a lot of just kind of meat and potato players at pass rusher. They do not have a blue chip. And frankly, they don't have a blue chip front seven player, respectfully to all those guys. They got a bunch of C, C plus, B minus guys. Dallas Turner and some of the guys we talked about last week, Bo, those are the A's. Those are the main courses that make everybody better. Dallas Turner turns into a pro bowler. If Zayvon Collins is still here, he gets better. B.J. Jalari, he gets better. So the, the Cardinals, to me, the biggest point of contention with this season outside of quarterback play is line of scrimmage play. Moving people on both sides of the ball and generating the kind of pressure you want to be able to disrupt opposing quarterbacks. They just haven't done it enough. No, they haven't, but you, you've seen what they can do just just with replacement level guys in, in having the, the rotation that, that Rollis and JG like to have and how in, impactful that can be. But if, if you put blue chip caliber prospects, you put you know NFL caliber talent on that rotation, they're yeah. going to make big time plays for you like JG's defense did in Philadelphia, racking up 70 sacks. That's, that's the type of athlete that you need to get in place for those big gaudy numbers to really happen. So we broke down five prospects today in our Fab Five. We've done 10 thus far this season. Uh, I think we both agree. Line of scrimmage play on either side of the ball is the priority for this team. Do you think we can get there in our newest edition of the PFF Mock Draft Simulator? Give me the hottest of hot minutes here as I share my screen. Mr. Bobrock, PFF, they do a fantastic job. We get Trevor Sekuma on when we are fortunate you go over to their NFL section, uh, maybe I can find an NFL draft mock draft simulator. Of course, we are selecting the Arizona Cardinals in this scenario. You can select any team you want, but we're going to, of course, go with our precious Redbirds here. We're just going to do the first round. We're going to enter this draft situation, Bo. A little bit different than the last time we did this. Uh, options are a little bit more robust because they are at number two. In this scenario, Caleb Williams goes first overall, Bo. So everybody's on the table. Marvin Harrison Jr., Drake May, of course, Fashanu Fish, out of Penn State. We talked about your boy Brock Bowers, Joe Alt. Who are you going with? I'm letting you pick two because I'm picking 16. Well, here's the issue, right? You got Chicago just, they're back on deck, right? They Because they have their own pick and they have Carolina's pick that they just utilized to take Caleb Williams. So Williams is off the board. There's the tantalizing pick there. You got to make the tough decision. You're having the conversation. You're at the pre, pro day for Drake May. But I think, you know, I hope, right, that Kyler Murray makes this team believe in him going forward and that they can take the best player in this draft. I want to take the wide receiver out of Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr., with the second overall pick. I agree, and here's the problem that the Cardinals would be in if they entertain the idea of trading down. If you trade down, let's say, with the Denver Broncos to four and they come up to take Drake May, well, you know Caleb's going three. So right. you're basically, at that point, you leave the top three. You leave a premium prospect, maybe a Hall of Fame-level prospect, and Marvin Harrison Jr. off the board. So I'm with you. Cardinals have a lot of picks. They don't have a lot of great players, and I think he's as close to a sure thing as you can. As the Cardinals now move down to pick 16, Bo, and a lot of quality options on the table, including two guys that we've covered in our top five, yeah. Kool-Aid McKinstry and Dallas Turner. And here's the deal. 
I do not love taking cornerbacks particularly high, especially when a front seven is so undermanned like the Arizona Cardinals. Do I think Kool-Aid is a better prospect than Dallas Turner? I do. I think, and I said this before, if you can get the CB1 in a draft over edge three or edge four or DT2, I'm going to strongly consider that. So with guys like Keon Coleman gone, Jared Verse gone, Newton, our boy out of Illinois gone, I think the logical move is let's get two two players that were at the top of their positional rankings at premium positions. We're not compromising. This isn't an off-ball linebacker. I think Kool-Aid McKinstry is the way to go. Love it. There you go. You get uh, you get the wide receiver, and then you get another premium position, and you get Kool-Aid that can play on the outside. You've got Garrett Williams, I think, who's, who's going to prove to be a great slot nickel-type corner. Uh, for the foreseeable future. And then you've got one spot in your defensive secondary that, that you really need to fill, and that's CB2, right? The, the, the corner opposite Kool-Aid. And, and that, that's going to solve a lot of problems because what we've seen, the play from Marco Wilson hasn't been there. The, the rotation of, of you know late-round draft picks and, and Keytrell Clark and Sterling Thomas hasn't proven to, to be something you can move forward with. Get Kool-Aid and then probably go hit free agency or later in the draft as, as an option as far as your other outside corner. And then you got JT, you got Buddha, you got Garrett Williams, you got Kool-Aid. That's a pretty damn rock-solid secondary to move forward with. I, I like it. You didn't well, consider and- Bo Nix there? <laughs> Considering hanging up this podcast, the ni- I was just about to say, and then you were disingenuous, the nice thing about having so many needs is that you can go best player available, assuming it's at a position that's premium. What are premium positions to Austin for? Offensive, defensive line, pass rusher, cornerback, QB, wide receiver. We're going to talk about all those and more in the coming weeks, Bo. Does the Cardinal pick say stagnant? Does it move up one pick to number one overall? Or does it move down with the impending return of Kyler Murray and Goodhill? Can Houston please lose some games so that pick 16 maybe creeps just ever so slightly closer to the top 10. We're going to be breaking it down every single opportunity here on the PHNX Draft Podcast brought to you by PHNX Cardinals. For Bull Brock, I'm Johnny Venerable. We'll see you next time.